Hello, hello, and welcome to a very special episode of Slayer Fest 98. I am one of your co-hosts for this episode. I'm Dana Pickley, and of course, as usual, here is stalwart Slayer Fester, Ian Carlos. Ian, take it over. Hi. Yes, I'm so happy to have you here, Dana. Um, Yeah, we're here to discuss Captain Marvel, and we have a panel of three wonderful guests. They're two Scoobies. First up is, uh, <laughs> he's just happy to be here, and he's also my Twitter crush. Hello, it's Colin Smith. Yay. Um, and next up is Scooby the Duchess, who writes about TV for Paste, Uproxx, and AV Club. Hi, Latoya Ferguson. Yay. And our other special guest joining us is comic book artist for The Invisibles, Wonder Woman, X-Men, and a lot of other really awesome titles. Hi, everyone. It's Phil. How are you? <laughs> Hi, Phil. So we're all here today to discuss Captain Marvel, which I I love. I absolutely loved it. I love a good lesbian origin story. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, so Dana, I thought it was funny on Twitter that you mentioned that because I always think of you when you were first on the podcast, how you said with more with Buffy and Faith, you consider them like just an intense friendship. So I wanted you to like what for you, what was the difference between something like that and then Carol and Maria? Uh, you know, I, I mean, generally, I see lesbianism everywhere. But um, I, I think that with the two of them, I think really, for me, the movie itself, it really allows fans to kind of project whatever they really desire onto, onto this character because she didn't have a specific love interest, you know, that, that you could see this relationship between Carol and Maria and you could see how, how much they love each other. And uh, whether you want to see it as they've had some sort of, you know, love connection or their love is platonic, that's completely up to you. And I think that the movie allows you to do that as well. All right, that's fair. Yeah, so I did think the be the beginning, maybe ten minutes, are the for me the rockiest part of the movie. I thought it felt like Guardians of the Galaxy, but like weirdly watered down. But only those like first ten minutes. Once she's captured, it immediately takes off. Yeah, how did you guys feel about the Star Force opening with her of the Kree and all that? Uh, yeah, I would agree. It's honestly, it's a very confusing opening, especially if you don't know what you're going into because you're as in the dark as Vares is really so it yeah it's you have to get past that yeah. to like really get into it but yeah I can understand people just being like I don't I don't know about this um it's interesting to hear you say that simply because um I went with my best friend my boyfriend of this movie uh my best friend who's sort of entrenched in this material my boyfriend who doesn't get it at all um and warned them based on some uh, reviews that I'd read that the opening was confusing or I don't know, hard to take. Anyway, I found that both of them, we all responded well to it, perhaps because we, we were prepared to sit through this 10 minute, mm -hmm. 12 minute opening. Um, or maybe just because we understand mm -hmm. the conventions of the medium, we're not really sure, but we were not um, confused or stymied by it. I actually found my bigger issue um, was that I couldn't, I couldn't remember Marvel Cinematic uh, Mythology. So I was like, wait, <laughs> yeah. where did the Cosmic Cube first appear? Oh, that's right. Like, uh, <laughs> what, by chapter 21, which is what I believe this Captain Marvel movie is, I realized I had not done my refresher course. And there were bits and pieces of it that um, I knew I should know, but I couldn't remember. Or I was conflating with the comic book versions um, and so if there was a thing that threw me about the movie, it was forgetting certain bits and pieces mm. of this cinematic mythology. It's kind of crazy with all the, the backlash from, you know, the terrible people that this movie could be considered a movie that's for the fans because of all of the callbacks and all the things you need to remember, basically, to fully get the picture. And I, you know, I'll admit I am not really a Marvel girl. And so for me... It was a little, I guess I came into it kind of thinking like, okay, am I supposed to be rooting for the the, the, the Krees? Am I supposed to, what, what's going on? Like, are the scrolls actually, what's going on? So uh, for me, it was kind of like, I, I had to learn all the mythology like immediately. And so I was trying to piece together those things um, 
you know, on the spot. Right. Yeah. I think they did a good job actually of trying to figure out whether the Kree were who you were rooting for and against the Skrulls and they flip it and the Skrulls are actually good and the Kree are not. Yeah. And wait, because I was fully expecting this to set up for phase four to be like secret invasion type thing. Yeah, I, de- I definitely thought that too. But because in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., they very explicitly make the Kree bad guys. Oh, interesting. Mm. They're like very much like there's like a, a whole episode. It might be even be like a mini arc, I mm-hmm. think. Right, Latoya, where the Kree are there and they're like giant blue guys and they just are like yeah. smashing shit. But yeah, I mean, aside from the beginning, I really, the, my, the only part in the beginning that I was like, oh, I love this is like when we first see Annette Benning and she's wearing a Star Force uniform. <laughs> For me, it caught me off guard because it was like, holy shit, like, isn't she an Oscar winner? And she's wearing this like, I mean, so is Brie Larson, but it was just crazy seeing Annette Benning as like, you know, in this like superhero alien costume. So one of the things I, I think about a lot with these various guest appearances by actors is and it really struck me with Kate Blanchett, and this is sort of a strange tangent, but at this point, that Marvel Cinematic Movie Machine is so powerful and so generally good, and such a it's, it's such a global force. I can't help but think even the most storied actors are like, can I have a part? What can I do? Can I be the <laughs> supreme intelligence? Like, I what I love now is that it is a, it's a legitimate form for them to sort of not only showcase talent, make a little money, but sort of makes surprise appearances. Um, and I, I I think it's, for me, that's one of the many great successes of this film line. Um, and it's sort of wonderful just to see her, Annette Benning in this movie saying funny Marvel science fiction things. Oh, for sure. Of course, I was like, ooh, is there going to be a Annette Benning action figure in that outfit? Because <laughs> I will buy it. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to say that in my notes, I do have that, when I talk to my Supreme Leader in my head, that she also looks like Annette Benning. <laughs> Mine looks like Kate Blanchett, so. There you go. I have a question for you, and it's just it's just because I am curious about reactions. It's, it's either negative nor, nor not, or here nor there. Um, I was actually kind of surprised by the 90s time period and wondering what we all thought of the portrayal of the 90s. Oh, I... I loved it. I, I mean, I think, Dana, you might agree with me since we're <clears throat> of the same age. <laughs> um, hey, I have blockbuster nostalgia written right here in my <laughs> notes. That's actually where I was headed next. So let's go there. I actually still have a blockbuster membership card here somewhere. <laughs> Tell me that when she crashed through, you could smell the popcorn and video cassettes. Oh, yeah, right. Like, I thought the 90s shit like so worked for me. But I, I am curious. Like, I was wondering, like, someone who's, like, you know, 21, would that, like, all be, like, fall flat for them, you know? Um, but does, is that true of, like, any period piece, though? Like, how old do you have to be to sort of appreciate a certain period right. of time? I, I was just fascinated by the idea that they're establishing this Marvel Universe back 20 years and that she's been gone for so long. Um, I do look forward to her next appearance, because I am kind of curious where she's been in the galaxy, um, considering sort of yeah. Thanos's rise, etc. <laughs> Apparently, a Sephora. <laughs> yes, clearly. <laughs> um, I am a little curious when at the end he like she gives him the pager and says it's just for emergencies. How come none of the other things that happened in the Avenger movies were considered emergencies for him? Right. I mean, that's sort of like when when an Asgardian god attacks. So you're like, well, we don't need her yet. Nah, it's too much. <laughs> um, it is it is kind of funny to think that. I mean, right, that's... Well, Phil, you write comic books, right? I feel like that's always a thing that, like, you know, if, like, every time the X-Men were in trouble, they called the Avengers and the Fantastic Four, it'd be like, ugh. Like, you can't do it all the time, right? Right. Um, um, but I, I sort of feel like the conventions of the medium are different. That's true. Comic books, for some reason, because they are these separate entities... Um, can separate, I think, more easily than kind of a cinematic soap opera. Mm. Um, I just think one of my big issues with um, superhero movies generally, and particularly characters with power on any scale, is it really does make others seem, the ones that don't have powers, uh, it sort of begs questions like, why are they there? And I remember reading somewhere in Avengers 2, I think Joss Whedon went out of his way to constantly get rid of Thor because with such a physically powerful character, 
um, it made the other characters sort of harder to give them their moments. I do. I remember reading that too. Yeah. Yeah. And in movies, I find that's much more clear to me. Like way back in the X-Men, we'll come back to Captain Marvel in a minute, but in the <laughs> X-Men movie, when I watched Storm like summon tornadoes, I'm like, oh, well, you know, what does Iceman do? Right? Like it, <laughs> suddenly the scale difference became very, very clear. And I remember hearing somewhere that they had a, one of the problems they had with Storm, as, aside from sort of actual character development, is that she was such a physically powerful character. And it was, she was difficult to play with because the rest of the characters were generally not. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I think that's sort of, and so Captain Marvel, I think, strikes a really interesting. Uh, I don't know, conundrum, certainly she's no conundrum, but like um, a chord with me because she's being touted as the most powerful character in the Marvel universe, which I actually think is pretty great. Uh, it just makes me wonder about her placement and the bits and pieces I'll be giving to other characters yeah. uh, as, as we go on. I mean, that's fair. I often think of that with um, Black Widow and Hawkeye, and I don't even, I know a lot of people hate on those two characters, and I really don't. Really? But... I mean, they hate on one of those characters. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I think both. Yeah. Like, I, I saw. I feel like a lot of people were annoyed when she was going to get her own movie because they were like, well, um, "That's because people are t- tired of Scarlet specifically." But like, yeah, people, I don't think it's Black Widow. I think that was Scarlet. Like, because it's I, because of Scarlet Scarletness, right? Outside of Black Widow, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you mean. <laughs> well, I feel like with them, it's a lot of like, okay, but like they'd probably be dead, like, right? Well, they have their friends to save them, right? Um, but I think about that a lot and like I always think the Marvel prior to this has a lot of times been too like too cautious about having super powered characters uh, and oftentimes like in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. everyone like only what two seasons ago did they introduce like Quake being able to use her powers everyone else just like has a gun and can punch and it's like but they have all these like aliens that have powers and like they would demolish them mm-hmm. And I do think like Marvel, one of the places they were lacking is like Thor is kind of the only one that's like super powered. Like Captain America has like enhanced strength and agility and all that. Right. And like Iron Man has his suit, but Thor is like a literal god. Um, so for me, I'm looking forward to like getting more characters that can like do cool things. Well, speaking of doing those cool things, though, like that we see that really firsthand in that subway action sequence. Oh, Yeah. Oh yeah, I I really love that action scene. I mean, the action scene on the scroll ship is pretty good, and I like that they give us a reason so we don't see her go full powers yet because she has those uh, things on her hand, so she can't quite do mm-hmm. everything. And then she breaks into the she crashes into the blockbuster. Oh, we should mention uh, Coulson and Nick Fury pop up, uh, looking slightly de-aged. I think the CGI works really well. Did you all think that too? Oh, yeah. I thought it was stunning, particularly on Sam Jackson. I thought Coulson was a little harsh, but the Sam Jackson stuff was kind of unbelievable to yeah. me. Yeah, I thought he looked like... I mean, and he's in so much of the movie. We see his face so often. Right. There was never a point when I thought, Ugh. I thought to myself, I was like, holy shit, Sam Jackson looks young. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, oh, wait a minute. This is totally CGI. I mean, to be fair, he, he hasn't aged a whole lot. Yeah, yeah, that's true. true. Yeah. But they've come a long way since that creepy Robert Downey Jr. de-aging, which yes. I, I don't, it's still oh, yeah. upsetting. The Colson one I like because it's one of those things where like, this looks really good. And then I didn't even realize how much he'd actually age until like I saw like an episode of S.H.I.E.L.D. like right. in the background. I'm like, oh yeah, it, it looked natural. Yeah. Yeah. And I and I appreciated that they brought Colson back because they really didn't need to. And it's just like a nice throwback to like, oh, look, these are two S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. Like, you know, we know Nick Fury. We know Colson. It makes sense that- right. They would be working together. He was also my big cinematic crush before she Agents of Shield. <laughs> like I loved him, and so I was I was actually very excited to see him again. I was like, "Yay!" Aww. I do I do wish we could have gotten more of him, but I also understand why we didn't. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's totally fine. It's just it was it was kind of fun to see that as a throwback. especially since they like I feel like ever since Agents of Shield started, they like never acknowledge him or any Whoa. like Shield stuff. Yeah, oh, right. I feel bad even mentioning Shield because I, I enjoy Shield, but like they really got screwed over that that show, honestly. And then it's just, of course, the Kree are evil in the show because they don't get told anything and they're not right. allowed to be part of anything, and that really <laughs> sucks. Honestly, they, they're doing good stuff on that show. And in interviews, I feel like you can tell. Like I think um, they were promised something and they didn't get it at all. 
Chloe Bennett. Like, she'll sound annoyed in interviews about that. And she should be. But yes, um, as Dana said, the fight on the subway. What did we, uh, what did we think about that? Dana, what did you think about that fight scene? Do you know that Brie Larson clipped 400 pounds of her hair? <laughs> I, I watched a clip of that the other day. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, can she really? <laughs> Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, it it's really impressive and makes me feel really bad about myself. But she but she worked really hard and I mean, I bought it 100%. Like I was I was there from the get-go. I think I think Brie Larson has the the chops for this sort of yeah. action Hmm. um action heavy sort of thing. I mean, she's a great dramatic actress, but I think that this is something that I didn't even think i needed from her and then boom we got it yeah but she was fucking great like and she didn't take itself too too seriously she was i don't know i feel like she seemed like she was having fun right and her and samuel jackson have such good chemistry i was just gonna say that exact exact <laughs> line ian you and i once again simpatico <laughs> but right like i was like i love this best friendship like so fun to watch i got really nervous i was worried they were gonna shoehorn like Oh, he she was Fury's only love, and I was so glad we didn't get that. <laughs> Ew. Um, I had actually no fears of that, strangely. Um, mostly because um of just I think who was involved. The interesting thing about Brie Larson, um, and this will probably sound like criticism initially, okay. was um she was one of the few actor choices to me that did not read visually like the character that I imagine as I imagined her to be. Like when I draw her, I don't draw Brie Larson. And so it was really so what was interesting to me was receiving she ended up being like a whole new character to me. Like in my head, uh mostly because I thought about her performance an enormous amount after the movie. Because while watching it, it was just sort of I don't I, I don't even want to say it was I want to say it was almost low key. Which I actually really loved in hindsight, but I thought so much about her and her performance and her physicality and the way she inhabited that costume and the sort of the interview she gave about how you look tough in a Marvel movie, et cetera. But I do realize that for fortunately or unfortunately, like she feels like a new character to me as opposed to the Carol Danvers I remember from the comics. Mm -hmm. The thing is, I'm just not sure that's bad. I don't think that is. I think that's like perfectly reasonable. I don't know. Yeah. Um, it's just because it, so many of the other actors seem physically more similar in my head to their mm. comic book roles. So I think, but this, I kind of liked being free of that, that sort of expectation, but like, okay, this is Carol. Like, yeah. tell me, like, tell me more, tell me who this Carol is. And I was sort of very into that. Yeah. And because for me, she was like, the origin was such a different mashup of things. Right that it, I, I could see that like for me it did feel like completely different and I actually when I was watching it I was like wait do I remember her origin wrong and then I was like oh no they just like changed it which is I'm fine with that yeah me too and the things I wanted to point out about the subway fight one I just love her fighting this little old lady <laughs> uh <laughs> and two the Stan Lee cameo was so good oh yeah that was great I was perfect. Did you cry, Ian? I, you're damn right I did. <laughs> also, we didn't and, talk about the Stanley tribute at the start of the movie because that I, made me that cry. That did make me cry. Yeah. yeah, that did make me cry. I think his, I'm sure we've all seen it, his Spider-Verse cameo was like perfect. And this is like maybe my second favorite of his cameos. It's really sweet. And like just like reading the Mallrats cameo, which is like, I meant to look this up before we recorded, but I think that's his like first actual movie It was cameo. his first, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, this being kind of his last is like, oh, God. And I like that she smiles at him. It, like, doesn't make any sense. It's almost like winking at the camera, but I love it. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's totally breaking the fourth wall in that. But it was perfect. Yeah. <laughs> and then when she gets off the train and fucking Kelly Sue DeConnick is there to give her stink eye, I loved it. <laughs> it was very, very funny, actually. Yeah. <laughs> and Kelly Sue DeConnick has such a, like, uh such a look that I, I like immediately was like oh my god like i knew that was her phil did you know she was in it before you saw the movie i did actually it was interesting because uh so i've been working with kelly sue for a year now on our um one graphic novel mm -hmm. and it's actually been a really extraordinary experience 
uh, for a variety of reasons, um, mostly because I adore her and I really adore her family, but because some of the really interesting discussions we've had about essentially female characters and superheroes, like specifically genre, mm-hmm. um, and her takes on it, which I've been super happy just to sort of sit back and let it wash over me. I don't know if, you know, she feels like she really gives a shit about being my teacher, but I really <laughs> enjoyed it. The interesting thing is talking to her specifically about this film, her expectations and hopes for it, what she thought was really successful about it. And that certainly informed what I was looking for in the film. Mm. Um, and it was, I was, I think I was happy to have some of those tips and clues, but I did know that she was, um, I knew, knew she had a cameo. I didn't know what it was. I think she might have signed an NDA. Mm. Uh, sorry, Kelly Sue, if I'm blowing anything. But uh, <laughs> I, I did know. I did. But I, I had no idea where she was or what she was doing. I just knew that um, we happened to be in Los Angeles at the same time, and she was in town to to do some of that stuff. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah, I thought, and I thought it was a good action scene. The train scene just like is a good action scene. I felt like with these action scenes, when she's like punching through things. I almost enjoyed that better than like her flying and shooting her energy. Like this feels more like the type of fight that I like when it's like, yeah. oh, we're just smashing through shit, but we're still like, I don't know, punch. I just like that. It reminds me of like, you know, in the X-Men cartoon that I loved as a kid, like Rogue, that's how Rogue fought everyone, right? She would just like punch <laughs> them through walls and like was a total brawler. And I, I don't know, I always love that. Is that, is that, is that like a fan, like if you... Is that a fantasy projection for you? Like, would you like to do that? <laughs> what do you mean a fantasy projection? I don't know. It's just like a type of fight scene I like. No, I know. But see, like, I think I, I, as you know, I tend to read this stuff fairly deeply when it comes to what we respond to. And just the idea of going in and beating, being able to beat the shit out of someone physically is a very specific fantasy. And responding to that is also a very specific fantasy. So I was just curious if that's, if that stroke you is really personally, like, if, if that is that something that you would really love to be able to do? It's time for therapy, Ian. <laughs> it's been a while since I saw my therapist. Um, I think. I mean, I guess I, I can the fire bolts out of your eyes. I like. I always right. say, if I had to have superpowers, I'd want to be Jean Grey, right? Because I mean, she doesn't have just one power. Right. Uh, like she that's, that's what I want. I want to be able to read people's minds, be able to move things with my mind, be able to control things with my mind, be able to fly with my mind. Mm-hmm. That. But, like, also, second would be, like, yeah, super strength, being able to lift a car, throwing at someone. Yeah. Well, the reason I asked, so I, of course, was weaned, because I'm so much older than I think all of you, but, like, on uh, 70 superheroes, so, like, Wonder Woman, the Bionic Woman. So the idea of having great physical strength is incredibly appealing to me, more than, say, brawling, but the idea of being able to lift a car over my head is still, like, the coolest thing in the world. <laughs> um, but I realize how much of that is linked to what I saw is like childhood fantasy. So that's what I was just curious. That's fair. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, uh, Ian, I do agree with you about like the fight scenes, the ones where it's just, you know, her kicking ass uh, are kind of better than the ones where it's like flying and, and doing, you know, cool stuff. I, yeah. like, I, I like just like a good fight scene. And I think this movie, despite, you know, it made her very, very super powerful. I, I think it had like really just good fight scenes that aren't like at the, the, the epic level that you're going to obviously we're probably going to get in, in the right. next Avengers movie, you know. Right. Yeah, no, I, yeah. Dana, where are we in the movie? <laughs> I'm looking at my notes. Are we at, oh yeah, we're at, uh, she goes to get clothes and steals the sexist dude's motorcycle. Hot. Which I love. <laughs> uh, also, all the musical cues they use are just so good. As you know, when she steals the motorcycle, Elastica's Connection plays, which is a really fucking good song. And then when she's driving on the fucking stolen motorcycle, they're playing Garbage's um, Only Happy When It Rains, which is another song that I love. It almost, that almost felt on the nose, but I loved it. Like the dude being like, oh, you should smile more. Oh, it was so good. As soon as he said it, I was like, oh, the internet's going to melt about this. <laughs> as they were already complaining about her not smiling in promos. Like, you fucking idiot. I know. <laughs> I know. I, I secretly hope they filmed that scene after. Just put it in there to screw people up. Uh, yeah, people complained about the music cues not being subtle. And then I saw the movie and I'm like, fuck subtlety. These are all the best. This is the best movie. Shut right? up. Oh, I love my unsubtle music cues. For real. Like, give me more. I could, I think. More. Literally, my only critique of this movie would be like, give me more of those. Like, yes. Give me five more 90s songs. Yes. Yes. (laughs) 
I really liked so then we so then she meets up with Nick Fury. They have the the bar scene with like a little bit of exposition, but it it's like they're doing like an exposition dump almost, but I think it works so well because they have such good friend chemistry that like I enjoy watching them sit at a diner or a bar talking. Like that's enjoyable to watch. It's still it is also still not even a full exposition dump because, you know, she has the whole memory problem. Right. Yeah. Then they go to Project Pegasus, where we meet Goose for the first time. Oh, God. Goose. <laughs> One of the stars of the movie. I loved seeing Nick Fury as this like precious cat person. <laughs> I thought that was really like almost uncharacteristic, but like I loved it. So then they're there, then he calls in S.H.I.E.L.D. That doesn't go well because we learned <laughs> that. Is, was that guy supposed to be like the current director of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Yeah. yeah I, think, I assume right? so, yeah. I do have to say I was like really holding out for a Peggy Carter cameo. Oh. Because she would have been part of S.H.I.E.L.D. still. It was 20 years ago and she was like part of it well into her old age. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, and I feel like we saw her pass away. Is it Winter Soldier she passes away or is it? Yeah. Yeah. Soldier, yes. Right. Yeah. And like she had, you know, dementia and whatever, but just 20 years ago. So she could have been like kicking ass. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I wouldn't have minded that cameo. <laughs> Those. Yeah. My only two critiques. Peggy Carter should have been in it and give me more 90s. <laughs> <songs>. <laughs> I really like that Coulson lets them go. I think that's like important character development. Yeah. And I really thought it played on the whole aspect of the movie, which is like friendship is important. Like, I, I feel like that sounds so like, I feel like I'm sound like a like white suburban mom who has that in her like kitchen. <laughs> or a plaque. But like it is. <laughs> One of the things I really like about that movie. Uh, and it strikes me as uh, I like to say an older white boy. Um, what are the what are the sort of important themes that I has always moved me, or certainly has moved me the past ten years since I think Mean Girls is particularly this uh, inherent power, or not inherent, but certainly the power of female friendship and how women need to be good to each other because the world is not kind to them to begin with, and particularly men are not. And one of the things I really loved about this film uh, were a variety of friendships, including the one between Maria and um, Carol, and I. I am very, very keen for reasons both sentimental and political on seeing um, strong female friendships reinforced. Um, even though I do love, you know, my soap opera cat fights and things like that, at the end of the day, I think it's actually very valuable. And the, I was talking to someone recently, oh, a friend, uh, and she has two daughters who are 10, and they were talking about the mean girls in school. And I thought, God, at 10 years old, they are already talking about like clicks of mean girls and bullies. Um, and so again, just for a variety of reasons, I was very, very excited to see uh, those themes of friendship and friendship reinforced in that film, uh, particularly among women. Oh yeah. Uh, um, so we, we can talk about best of wives and best of women now, Maria Rambo. Yes. <laughs> Cause that's where they go, right? <laughs> After this, they go to Maria's. Yeah. They go to Maria's yeah. and you know, I thought Lashana Lynch was a total delight and she was everything I was hoping for. And Maria, she's a kick-ass mom. She's a kick-ass pilot. And the thing is, she's as brave as a superhero, even if she doesn't have the same powers that Carol does. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, did you... So you did you read it as queer, or did you... Was that your reading of it? Ian, I read everything as queer. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> um, you know what? I think, I think that... I think that the movie knew what it was doing okay. and left those moments for fans to kind of make that decision themselves. Um, whether or not that's how things go, because of course, the second we saw the Avengers trailer and Thor and Carol exchanging two words to each other, you know, then of course we have, we have that shit. Um, but I think that, there is a strong connection between these two women, and I think it goes beyond friendship in some ways. But that's that's up to like what you decide is beyond friendship. That's fair. Yeah, I and I like I kind of like that, like leaving it like, oh, you can decide. I mean, granted, I there's going to become a time when right, it's either it is or it isn't. Um, but mm-hmm. for this this contained story, it can be left up to like how you 
see it. Can I ask a quick question again, yeah. since I feel like I'm the old gay in the room? <laughs> um, and it's and it's it's literally a semantics question, but as talking about superheroes and queer identity and feminist identity, and I just wrote this paper about this uh, for an academic work, and we were talking about uh, queer politics, feminist politics, and then. Uh, homosexual politics. And so I'm, I am one of those people that makes a distinction between sort of queer sensibilities and homosexual ones. Or I, I think there can be a distinction if that doesn't always exist. And I'm curious if you draw that. Like this movie, while I could imagine or easily imagine a relationship between those two women, doesn't feel particularly queer to me. And I'm curious if my reading of that, my semantic reading is different than yours. I, well, I think that queer women... And, and queer men may interpret certain situations differently because of the way that we've always been portrayed in, in pop culture. And I, I'd love to know what Latoya actually thinks I about am this. going to be quiet on this because I'm really just a baby bi, so I, I, will, I will defer to you two, so there you go. <laughs> hey, don't, don't just... Yeah, don't discredit your one. Don't discredit your opinion because you're youth, and two, don't call us old. <laughs> no, it, it's right. It's the youth of my my bias, <laughs> not your oldness. <laughs> wow. What I'm particularly interested in, um, uh, with women, I'm particularly, I guess, women who identify as gay, queer, bi, or LGBTQ of some sort, um if they see a distinction between a queer sensibility, which I say is like a, is like a larger point of view as opposed to necessarily a sexual identity. Uh, I mean, in reality, do I think that Marvel is going to make these two right. a for real couple? No, I don't think that's my question. No, though. no, I know, but I'm getting there. I'm, I'm getting there. Uh, I'm just, I'm just saying from reading situations my whole life not just in pop culture but you know just in my everyday existence I think queer women have always been taught to look to the subtext to look to what's underneath the the obvious and so it's just it's a habitual thing I think with queer women too and we we even when we get main text we still love good subtext and so I mean that in my in my opinion, I think that there is a built-in subtextual thing to their relationship, which you can take however you want, and that's that's where I look at. Like I I've told Ian before, like I look at everything with a queer lens, and I can't help I can't not look at it with with a queer lens, and so that's what I took away from it. And again, this is this might have to do with age and gender and any number of uh, semantics. But I, I tended to think of Thor Ragnarok as the gayest movie Marvel's ever put it, the queerest movie. But that has as much to do with aesthetic and sensibility as it has to do with explicit sort of uh, relationship-oriented decision-making. I have I have a very unpopular... I think Colin and I have discussed this before. I have a very unpopular Thor Ragnarok opinion because I think <laughs> uh, often people share your opinion, Phil, that it's the queerest Marvel movie, but like for me, how do I say this up sounding like a complete asshole? <laughs> I don't like giving a movie credit for being queer if there's no one who is explicitly saying, I am queer or like kissing that's, someone of the same that's sex. That's perfectly fine. But here's the thing. I think that's because we are using the term differently. Because for me, queer doesn't necessarily mean homosexual. Queer to me is like a larger sort of anti-patriarchal, anti-tradition. It's a sensibility. And that's what I'm sort of getting to. Like, Hmm. Well, the interesting thing to me about Captain Marvel is it fits firmly into a very specific ordered sensibility. Like it is a chapter in this larger tapestry. Okay. And so it's, I don't think of it as particularly queer. I think of it as certainly feminist. Um, I don't think of it as necessarily queering anything. Like I don't think it challenges all that much uh, in a queer, through a queer lens. I, I think there's some really decidedly feminist moments, which I actually love. But Thor, I think it's just, it's whole sensibility. I mean, Hela is like a big drag queen, for example. To oh, me. for sure, yeah. Like, like it's just the the aesthetic, the overall. That, that's that's why that movie appeals to me, not necessarily because it explicitly showcases a same sex relationship, but because the entirety of it is like so outlandish, um, and so sort of uh, defiant in that. 
So, so again, I think perhaps it's just generational and semantic. I think I see the, I see the term differently and I use it differently than I think probably other folks in the room. Well, what you, what you might be seeing in, in Thor is what queer women are seeing in Captain Marvel because of things like when Carol picks her outfit, she goes for like a classic, you know, lesbian grunge look with the flannel and everything. Her one significant relationship in her life is with Maria Rambeau and her daughter. Like there are so many queer coded Theme, like lesbian, bisexual, like queer women coded things that maybe as like a, a gay man, you might be looking at what you consider like your queer semantics and your the, your queer, the way your queer looks. But for, for the women that I know that have been watching this and they, they have walked away from this feeling the same way I think that you felt about Thor Ragnarok. So I do feel like all of your opinions are very fair and valid. And I and I get what you mean, Phil. Sometimes I think of like, so also like uh, as a teen, I was like the shitty punk teen. Well, like more like wannabe punk teen, but like I listened to like pop punk and like all my friends were the, the like teens that like didn't listen to the radio and like hated when a band sold out. And like sometimes I mix my like weird like leftover punk i put this in air quotes because how embarrassing like punk sensibilities with like queer sensibilities which i think is totally valid yeah like i I, so i can see what you mean like for me i sometimes do that like i'll be like oh yeah my queer friends even though like one of them will be a like in that group they'll be like a cis guy right and i'll still be like oh my queer friends because i feel like we're all like of the same family i don't know so i get that but again, I still like I still like have issues calling a movie queer if no one is actually LGBTQ in the film. Uh, like if Valkyrie had actually had that scene that she was supposed to have of I think it was like what she's kissing a woman, right? Or like walking out from like a night with a woman. Like if that scene had happened, I would be like, yes, this is the gayest Marvel movie. I love this, but it didn't. So I also don't want to give them credit for having a bi character when. Right. I think, I think we just use the term differently. Like I just, I don't, I don't recall, like, for example, the, when I look back at that Wonder Woman TV show in the seventies, it is so clearly, it is so queer to me by, by sensibility, not because of explicit same gender relations or same sex relationships. That's but I think, but, and so, and the interesting thing, again, mostly because this paper has been on my mind about um, uh, women and, and genre fiction, et cetera, um, and feminism and where feminism and sort of queer politics intersect and don't in genre fiction <clears throat> and just my age. I just thought I would, I, I put that out there because I know that how p- powerful this movie has been, particularly for women. I actually kind of love the number of straight women I've talked to who read certain scenes exactly as they were meant to be read, um, or at least as they were described to me as Kelly Sue and I talked about. And I, that just thrilled me out of my mind um, because it meant to me that that movie worked, um, particularly um, like through her lens of feminism. I just thought that was actually pretty great. Although yeah. I'm, I'm now realizing like the intersection of both of these definitions of queer is a Ryan Murphy program. And now I, I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> 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 queer icon, Ryan Murphy. <laughs> Not only does... Brie Larson and Samuel L. Jackson have like really good chemistry, but Brie Larson and is it Lashana Lynch? Is that Maria yeah. Rambo's? Yeah. I think they have also fucking excellent chemistry. And it's crazy because, right, Maria doesn't come in till what, like 30 minutes into the movie? Uh, but like instantly they have, I think, amazing chemistry. They get that scene where they're sitting in the kitchen and like Carol's explaining to Maria and Maria's just like gives that monologue of like how upset she was knowing they're too stubborn to die. I just thought it was like really well done. Yeah. Well, you know what? We, there's something very important we have not talked about yet. And that's Goose. Oh, yes. <laughs> You're right, Dana. Let's talk about Goose. I Goose is a legend. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's a weird device to use, but Goose works, right? Oh, absolutely. Yes, totally. And what a punk move that was, scratching furious like that. <laughs> I love how they teased it earlier in the movie. It's like, nope, it's, it's just the cat. Yeah. 
Also, you know what blows me away? Is that it took 21 chapters for that reveal. <laughs> like, what I, I mean, on, on a grand scale, I love that they held that for so long. Like, how'd Fury lose his eye? Like, that, like, at some point, like, it amazes me that they held that story for 10 years. How do you lose his eye? Well, his pet basically scratched it out. Yeah. <laughs> well, the best is he actually says, like, last time I trusted someone, I lost an eye. And then it's just this little cat. I think it's kind of the perfect. It's it's. I think it's just this perfect piece of that story because, in one way, yeah, it's just a cat. In another way, it's one of the most powerful creatures in the galaxy. So of course, getting scratched by a flurkin. And by the way, I almost said merkin. Being, being scratched by a flurkin, of course you would. Of course that would cause some serious damage. But it's like you know, what a, what a. What an explanation that would require. <laughs> yeah, like, how do you, like, well, you see it was a cat, but it wasn't actually a cat. It's also a very dangerous alien that eats people. Yeah, I, I thought Goose was, like, a really cute... I, I liked seeing Samuel L. Jackson just, like, completely enamored with this cute cat. Uh, we also, like, there's a important part that, like, in one of the flashbacks, mm-hmm. Annette Benning's Marvel says to carol that goose normally doesn't take to people right right but goose like love carol and for me it's like adding to like carol's specialness oh right we should talk about monica we should talk about monica dana what did you i I thought monica was just wonderful what did you think oh what a sweetheart what a good kid and i mean how could you not be a good kid when you're raised by maria um and i think that they have (laughs) such a great connection and the fact that it's monica that tells maria to go and do this incredibly dangerous but incredibly important thing. I think that that showed the bond between mother and daughter and also that Monica has always looked up to and and missed Carol. That was I think that that was something special too. Like Carol's this incredibly important person in her life and she's been missing for a while and getting to reconnect with her and having her in her life and also having to say goodbye to her once again. It, it's, it was all very touching. Uh, yeah. Uh, Monica is pretty great because she's one of the rare child in anything that's not annoyingly precocious. And I really appreciate that actually. Uh, yeah. And she looks, and she could have been there, right? She, like could she, have, almost, but- she was so close. She was on the edge. Yeah, but yeah it's a, she's awesome. And she, she she loves her other mom, Carol. And it's great. <laughs> Phil, how exciting for you was that? Did you like, because I used to draw Monica, right? Uh, I've never drawn her, but she was my Captain Marvel. I know that's crazy to say. But again, uh, so I was an 80s comics person. And I was obsessed with Monica Rambeau's Captain Marvel back then. And and unfortunately, it sort of lived through Marvel in the 90s and early 2000s when a lot of, quite frankly, white guy writers really struggled with her. Again, going back to power, I their argument, and I think it was far more layered than this, was that uh, a Captain Marvel who was that powerful made Captain America just look useless. I also think, and so they depowered her, and I think she's struggled as a character ever since um yeah. although she got like she was pretty great next wave but she was also just kind of mean in next wave and so anyway i'm just a huge monica rambo fan and i was thrilled to see her and my thought was wow she can grow up and become the new captain marvel or whatnot i also love that um like my two current favorite characters or the characters i look forward most to seeing in the marvel cinematic universe are yeah. shuri and monica rambo like i think that's actually wonderful so um I'm looking forward to like Endgame being done so we can get to this sort of next wave of uh, of characters. I mean, I'm not looking forward to being done because I know I'm going to cry my <laughs> way through Endgame. But... <laughs> so the Skrulls come to the Rambo's household. Um, we quickly learn that they are actually not the villains, which I love. Um, but we're not sure yeah. whether we trust them, right? Yeah. But then, you know, it, then it's we learn when they get to uh, Marvel's ship that like then the whole thing becomes right like a immigrant metaphor which i thought was a really smart choice and really worked and i liked that on marvel's ship you saw that like she had like these toys for the little kids scrolls to play with and like video games um i appreciated that she kept them safe and also like try to keep them entertained and like give them things to do yeah so then uh ronan shows up 
And it's really weird because I definitely thought he was going to be in the movie a lot, but he's not. Not. And I couldn't actually remember his role from pre... Like, that was one of those things where I'm like, God, I wish I remembered my Marvel Cinematic Universe mythology more because I couldn't remember his last beat, I'm I'm ashamed to say. He died in Guardians of the Galaxy. That was like his last... (laughs) Right. And you know what's so sad is I I couldn't remember that. He accused too much and then he died. And then he died. Well, Well, what are you going to do? Stop accusing. So Carol fights her former Star Force mm-hmm. allies, and no doubts, just a girl plays, and I yes. love it. That's such a good scene. It, it was so, uh, I, it was perfect. And also, I had tweeted, I want Carol, no doubts, just a girl to play when Carol gets into, like, has a fight. I think I might have said bar fight, but I was like, oh my God, I've secreted this. I made it happen. It's a fight <laughs> scene with no doubts. I'm just a girl. This is playing. my doing. <laughs> that was uh, just great. I really liked Gemma Chan. Yeah, Gemma Chan's great, and there's not enough of her in this movie. That's my, my one big criticism, actually. I thought she could have done more. I thought her hair looked fucking great. Uh, I love a, what is that called? An undercut? Is that what yeah. that's called? When the one side shaved? Yeah, I love, I'm always into that. Yeah, and then, you know, Carol does her thing and saves everyone, punches through. So I wasn't sure what ship does she punch through? Is it one of Ronan's ships? It's one of Ronan's ships, yeah. Okay, but not like his ship. It's no, because like of- he takes one look at her and is like, okay, we're out of here, see ya. And then I loved when she goes to see Jan Rog, who is like, right, that like he's crashed and he's like, oh, no powers, fight me. And she just blasts <laughs> him with an energy blast. Because she doesn't have shit to prove to him. I loved it. Yeah, and then, you know, the movie wraps up. We see, we find out that Goose <laughs> is the reason Samuel Jackson has an eye patch. Uh, Goose also eats the Tesseract, which is important. And then we get the end credits where, one, whole celebrity skin plays, which is great. Yes. And then we see her coming in to, like, join forces with Steve and Natasha. And then we see Goose puke up the Tesseract. <laughs> yeah, uh, Latoya... Yes. I think we're at the end now. So would you like to tell us your favorite scene? I would actually, uh, as we were talking about, you know, fight scenes in this movie, my favorite scenes were actually, uh, you know, that fight scene chase and her beating up an old woman <laughs> and the just a girl fight scene. I'm just like, this is good stuff. This is, this is good movie stuff. <laughs> that was my professional criticism. Phil, what's your favorite scene? Clearly the moment that she has with uh, Jude Law at the end. I think it's actually the most important scene in the movie. So I would say that's actually, it's the one I've been thinking about quite a bit. Uh, and the other, honestly, I just have to say from um, kind of a superhero nerd standpoint is her big fiery, you know, uh, flying through space, blasting um, spaceships apart kind of thing. Uh, because we haven't seen that. And it was actually pretty, even, we've never seen even that, even with Jean Grey in the X-Men movies. Right. And so to see a character, particularly a female character, with that much with that volume of power uh on screen um in these movies was actually exhilarating uh colin uh i think i'm also gonna have to go with the just girl fight scene but very i wouldn't say close second but one of my other favorite scenes is when goose is floating in zero g and trying to (laughs) grip back onto nick fury (laughs) uh yeah my favorite scenes it's a tie between the just a girl fight scene and then carol blasting yon rog to because she doesn't need to prove anything to him. All right, and do we want to grade the episode or slash <laughs> say where it ranks among our other Marvel favorites? Um, Phil, I'm really curious about your your take on that. Um, that's a great question. Because um, uh, let me. I mean, my my probably maybe four or five, maybe yeah. Uh, Latoya. Uh, yeah, well, my favorite uh, Marvel movies are Captain America, Winter Soldier, Thor Ragnarok, and Black Panther. And I'm like, and I just tie them all because I don't want to actually choose. So I'm just going to add Captain Marvel to that too. It's a four-way tie. You it's a four-way tie. Don't make me choose. Uh, Colin? Um, so just speaking as a cis white male, um, Brie Larson assured me that this movie was not for me, but I loved it. <laughs> is that is that what she said? She per- is that what she she, said? she personally said, Colin, <laughs> this movie is not for you. She's also uh, said I'm racist against whites. Yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's definitely in my top five, but I don't know whereabouts. 
because I haven't watched a lot of the older ones in a long time. Yeah, my Marvel movie ranking like depends on my mood, which, what way the wind's blowing, and what movies I've seen <laughs> most recently. Because like, yeah, kind of the same as you, Latoya. Like, I think Winter Soldier might be. I think like Winter Soldier and Black Panther are like maybe the best. I think Winter Soldier probably is actually the best movie. Just best crafted for sure. It's definitely not my favorite, but I think it's the best crafted. Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to say. I think that like while Winter Soldier is one of the, I think, like objectively best ones. I don't know that it's my favorite, but I don't dislike it. Right. I love all these Marvel movies so much, but I think Civil War, Black Panther, Captain Marvel and Guardians of the Galaxy, both of them. Because I don't know why everyone hates the second one. I think it's great. I, they're all like my favorites, and I have trouble deciding which one I love the most. Um, I love that you said Civil War because I don't think it's the best one, but it tickles my nerd funny bone. The yes, most. because it's such a comic book. It feels it's such a comic book, and like I, I I'm amazed at how because I tend to be really harsh with these. I like I I don't watch these movies as a fan in the same way yeah. as we were talking about earlier. So I tend to be really critical of them. Um, and I tend not to be, because I'm old, I'm not driven by nostalgia as much anymore. Like, that doesn't seem to be as much of a, of a driver as it used to be. But that Civil War just hits certain notes. Yeah. Like, when, when Ant-Man becomes Giant-Man, it still makes me giddy. Yeah. Like, and I'm like, I again, I don't think it's as good as others. And then Black Panther, I have to, I would actually say my favorites are Civil War, Black Panther, and Ragnarok. Like, I will watch any of those movies over and over and over again. <laughs> the others, probably not as much. But also, then, I really love Infinity War. I don't know. I, I really love that movie. I It's not something I enjoy rewatching because it makes me cry too much at the end. <laughs> oh, that's very sweet, actually. <laughs> but uh, I can I can cry just thinking of Spider-Man's end scene. I'm like, Ugh. But yeah, uh, thank you all for joining us. Thank you... <laughs> Dana for guest co-hosting with me. Yeah, I was totally dusted by Thanos mid-recording. <laughs> if you liked SlayerFest 98, you can subscribe to us on iTunes. You can find us on SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, and other places. You can subscribe to our Patreon. If you want to follow us on Twitter, we are at SlayerFestX98. And if you want to follow me, I am at Ian X Carlos on all social media platforms. Latoya, where can everyone find you? You can find me on Twitter at LaFergs. And from there, you can find the rest of my stuff. And I have a book coming out May 7th, the, an encyclopedia of women's professional Yay. wrestling. That's amazing. <laughs> Colin, where can everyone find you? I am at CSmith03. And Phil, where can everyone find you? Uh, everyone can find me at Phil Jimenez NYC at everything. Uh, usually Twitter and Instagram are best. Um, and uh, you can look for my graphic novel with Kelly Sue DeConnick, the writer who uh, crafted most of the material that Captain Marvel was based on um, probably end of year uh, it's our Wonder Woman graphic novel for DC cool, cool, um, thank you all for joining us and thank you all for listening, bye bye, bye.